Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 124 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the work of writer, director, producer J.J. Abrams and his extended Bad Robot universe. I'm Matt Crandall here with my co-host Marcelo Inestroza as we finally wrap up the fourth season of Fringe. Today we are talking about Brave New World Part 2, the season finale, episode 22 of the fourth season that aired May 11th, 2012, written by J.H. Wyman, Jeff Pinkner, and Akiva Goldsman, directed by Joe Chappelle, an episode that brings to a close much of the events that we have been building up for this entire fourth season and also could serve as a potential series finale if Fringe didn't get the green light for a fifth season. So my question is, Marcelo, are you feeling peckish or would you like some lemon jello? No, I'm not feeling peckish uh, because guess what? I hate lemon jello and that's probably not lemon jello. I really like this episode because of the moral quandary that it presented in that let's say let's say you're let's say you're like a like like a really really smart psychotic scientist and you don't like the way that the world is going uh, um, if the technology was available to you would you have the balls to sacrifice billions of people to make the world that you wanted to make so I really like that this episode uh, sort of sort of postulates that big moral question and I also really like in, I also really like that in this episode that Walter, the Walter, the one that's sort of Walter, usually Walter usually being the one that's out of his mind and crazy is the one that's trying to speak sense in this episode, because in this episode, basically William Bell played by Leonard Nimoy is trying to create an entirely new universe with Peter and Olivia at the center of it. And he basically says that he got the idea from from uh, Walter himself. And I also like how the writers tie back in the story thread of the reason that William Bell took out pieces of Walter's brain is so that he couldn't remember that. I don't necessarily know how I feel about that. Like I would have preferred if um, I, I would have preferred if if uh, if William Bell was just a was just a nutter and he was unhappy with the way that the world went and he was smart enough to 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 do this on his own i don't i don't know if i necessarily like him tying back his grand plan to something that walter said because i would think that william bell has enough ego in himself to think of something so evil and so perverse that he that that in some aspects he wouldn't need walter to do all of this Matt, what do you think of all my points? I think that's the fringe writers love to tie everything back to Walter being the guy who set this whole mess in motion. And so them having William Bell say, yes, in this remix timeline, you came up with these ideas and that's why I took the pieces of your brain is kind of smart, but also a little bit like kind of feels a little bit like we've been there and done that before. And we're we're just going back to the same old thing, but slightly different which actually this finale has a lot of stuff that is still slight remix of ideas that we've actually dealt with before in fringe finales, because we have had a fringe finale where the two universes were collapsing and one member of team fringe was the only one who could stop it when Peter had to get into the machine. And in this, it's actually 
one member of Team Fringe is the superpowered battery that is enabling this to happen. It's Olivia. So we find out why they've been doing all this Olivia stuff, but it feels like it's season finale time. The universes are going bad, and one member of Team Fringe has to make a big sacrifice to to save the day. So I think all of that feels vaguely familiar, but I did really like the scene of Walter and Belle together. Nimoy is awesome. This is just, you know, two years before he would pass away. And to see him explain to Walter how he came up with this and that when this happens, there will be this new utopia created and all these creatures he has assembled on this ship. It is literally like a Noah's Ark where they're going to bring these new advanced species are going to start the world over again and make it a better place. But to do that, everyone has to die and the universes both have to collapse. So I thought that's interesting. I was a little jarred that we pick up, you know, where we ended was Astrid was bleeding out in Walter's arms and William Bell stepped out of the shadow. And this we open with Bell and Walter having their talk. And then we find out Astrid got dropped off at the hospital and she's already on the mend. What are you thinking as that drama is kind of sucked away because in the first 10 minutes we realize Astrid's fine. She was just grazed. I absolutely hated that aspect of this finale episode because last week we uh, last week we uh, uh, that was one of the big lingering questions uh, going into this week's episode, going into this week's second part of the finale. And I was really hoping that they were going to do something unique and interesting with Astrid. Like if she was on the table this entire episode, that would have been another another point of tension for the fringe team to have to deal with. So not only would they have to deal with the fact that they would have to stop a madman and William Bell and find Walter, but they would also have to worry about the the outcome of one of their agents, right? And I also I also really like I mean I mean I I I didn't like the way that her, her I I didn't like the way that they handled you know, her being shot thing. But I also really liked how when she woke up and in that scene in the hospital, her first concern was for Walter and his health and where he was. And I also like how, um, how, how, how emotional Astrid was in the bed and how she apologized to Peter for, for not being able to get Walter off the docks. I really, really like that. Yeah. Jessica, Jessica, Nicole is great. And, Giving her anything to do is always a nice moment and her filling them in saying Belle is back and this is what's going down was good. And this is basically just before Olivia gets a call from Charlotte from Lost, who was on last week's episode, saying, I feel like I'm being followed and Kel, surprise, surprise, she's evil. And we see that September is watching her in her house. And he goes to move and all of a sudden he steps over this rune that lights up and he can't move, which is something we have not seen with the observers before. This is like a fucking devil's trap from Supernatural. And I was like, what the hell? The, are the Winchester brothers here? What is this rune that causes September to be trapped in place? This is something we haven't seen on this show at all and has never really been mentioned at all. and feels like they're laying groundwork for that potential flash forward fifth season. So I thought that was weird, but kind of cool. And so after Astrid fills them in, they go to the warehouse 
and they see September stuck to that piece of floor that has been cut literally out of the floor, and he's there, and we see that Charlotte from Lost is evil, and she reveals that she is working with Belle, and that they wanted to attract the Observer's attention. They wanted Team Fringe to get involved. Basically, they wanted to be caught. This was all part of the plan. What are you thinking as this confrontation happens where September is in the warehouse, our team is in the warehouse, there's a lot of gunfire, and Olivia ends up using some Cortexafan abilities to, to save the day in that moment? First of all, I did not like that another Lost alum had to be a bad guy. I was like, really? Come on. Be, being on the island can't be such a bad thing, but, but, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I wasn't sure about how I felt about this, this, this power that came out of nowhere of, of, of like this big, of this big like mousetrap that, you know, this observer stepped in and he wasn't able to move. Like, like I wasn't really sure if, if, if they said it, but I, I was under the I, I was under the understanding that William Bell created that trap. I'm like William Bell is smart, but how is he that smart? Like really? So 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 I was so I was questioning like how could William Bell be that smart to catch an observer? Unless unless the observer let himself get caught and the observer kind of you know you know pushed the idea to make the sand trap in the first place into William Bell's head. Because because otherwise otherwise I'm saying this is this is some bullshit. The other the the other the other aspect of the scene that I didn't really like is that Olivia constantly press constantly constantly pushes um, uh, William Bell's um, William Bell's you know soldier for answers. She keeps asking her where is Walter, and this person keeps giving Olivia nothing, and I'm like. What? Why are you doing this? She's gonna, she's gonna give you nothing. The only way that she's gonna give you something is if you kill her. And I'm like, I'm like, what? Like, like maybe, like maybe four, four minutes after that, what happens? You know, she goes to shoot the observer. She's, she's, she's successful the first time, but the second time, Olivia does some kung fu with the, with the cortex of anything, and you know, deflects the bullets back into her. And I'm like, oh, good, you guys couldn't have got to this faster. I don't know. I don't know if it was just me, but I felt that scene was like so. I it, it was a good scene. It was a good scene to really to, to really show, you know the you know the observers' powers and how they move and to 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 give a scientific explanation to that. But I'm like, guys, we could just move a little bit faster. I don't know. How how did you feel about that? It felt to me uh, again. This was laying groundwork for where they wanted to go in the future. So they wanted us to know that the observers, you know, have special reflexes. They can be trapped in ruins. They move quicker than everyone. Setting up some of the super poweredness of the observers that we haven't really seen in case they got that fifth season where they were going to explore that more. And so a lot of this talk doesn't feel integral to this episode, but it's like they're throwing these things in now so that they don't have to do it if they got that fifth season. But also, a lot of the action of this sequence is reminding us of things, and this is something that this episode does in the few sequences after this, reminding us of things that Fringe has done in the past or wants us to be aware of so that in the last 10 minutes of this episode, 
everything plays without as- us asking a lot of questions. So we see Olivia using her Cortexafan abilities to move bullets somewhere that they are not initially supposed to be, right? So we see that. September gets shot. He says, oh, shit, this is weird. And she goes, oh, hey, I knew I knew you were going to get shot. I've seen this before. Because remember that time where you came and you said, hey, guess what? I had to die. And he's like, that's never happened. What are you talking about? She said, well, then this must be it. And he says, okay, I guess I'm going to go back to the opera house and tell you that you got to die. I got to look into why this is happening. So all of this is refreshing us on certain rules of the fringe universe and certain things from the past. If we fell asleep back to where you've never been episode and forgot that September tells Olivia this ominous thing. So I thought that was interesting. And then after that, when Jessica is dead and they're like, we need information from her. And Walter's like, and Peter, Peter rather is like, no problem. Dead, dead's not a problem for us. We can just plug her in and still talk to dead people because that's something we can do on this show. You're not dead. You're just mostly dead. It's a princess bride bullshit where like, you know, dead isn't dead. Dead is mostly dead until you're dead, dead. And they remind us that in this moment so that later we aren't going to get hung up on it. And I thought that while that was smart, part of it is like, okay, you're spinning your wheels a little bit to give us these small nuggets for another season and to refresh us on everything that has happened. But I do like where Nina comes in to kind of take the shortcut in getting the information out of Jessica because she's bringing all of the the technology that they don't have at the lab as they are still searching for Belle and Walter. What are you thinking as we bring Charlotte back from the dead to give us some key information so we know where to go to have our big finale? I really like that scene. I I like that scene quite a bit because I was really happy that Nina at this point of need gave the French team everything that they needed. I'm really glad. And look, look, look. And Nina has changed as a character, but Nina from season one, no matter what the situation was, Nina from season one would have been a more 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 bureaucratic about sharing massive dynamic secrets. So I was really happy that Nina just showed up with the it showed up with the technology that they needed to question Jessica and she helped them do it. I also really love that after they hook up, after they hooked her up to the technology that her brain was semi scrambled that they sort of had to they sort of had to shift through the through the scrambleness of her brain to 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 try and make out to to try and make out some sense of what she was saying. I was really happy that it wasn't just straight exposition that it was exposition but mixed up like in a like 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 in a barrel full of monkeys um i i I really enjoyed that aspect of it i do want to mention that a couple episodes ago walter there there was a scene where walter postulated that cortexafan had some regenerative properties and when we saw that episode you know a couple weeks ago i was like hmm this is interesting. It feels like a hat on the ground. And I was like, I bet you they're going to bring this back. And in this episode, they brought that back in a very, very interesting way. And I, and I, I was very, very pleased with the way that they did that. Um, but yeah, I look, 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 despite my issues with this episode, um, with certain things, especially that scene in the warehouse where I thought it could have been done better. It could have been done quicker. I really thought that this was a great episode. Um, they 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 tied up all of the all the all the things that they kind of put up in the air except for that one episode where they lost their minds and they you know jet in the future 
But I thought this episode was really, really good for the most part with a couple bumps in the road here and there. Yeah. And as you said, they did lay the groundwork a few weeks ago when Walter's lemon cake, not lemon jello, but lemon cake would regenerate. And he thought, oh, this is some Cortexafan side effect I haven't thought of before regeneration. And I like that they quickly remind us of that. And that's if you've been watching recently, that will be still strong in your mind. But after they bring back Jessica, it is Olivia getting frustrated with her and she grabs her and we see her Cortexafan electromagnetic energy or whatever it is. And Nina realizes, ah, you are the thing necessary for this catastrophic event to take place. You are what is fueling this whole plot. So that's the reason why they needed your Cortexafan powers to come back. That is why your memories had to be brought back. That is why the other side was juicing you in your sleep. This all, we all knew it was Cortexafan powers they were trying to bring out, but we still didn't know the exact why. And so they finally give it to us. And after that, they deduce where William Bell's ship is and they go. And of course, they're flying over it in a helicopter and they're like, well, it should be right here, but there's nothing here. And Peter, being the guy who is not of this universe, is the only one who can see. He's like, what do you mean it's not here? There's a ship right under us. We're all good. Let's go. And so I thought that was interesting that they have to take a literal leap of faith because Peter's the only one who can say, trust me, there's a ship here. If we jump, we're going to be fine. So Peter and Olivia take their leap of faith together before the big finale. And in those moments, the big showdown comes. And I love that quickly, as they realize all of this is happening because Olivia is there, she is so juiced and so emotional that she is fueling this. And William Bell's like, haha, it's inevitable. Nothing can stop me now, twirling his mustache. And Walter shoots Olivia right in the forehead without hesitation. And I thought this was great because... We have seen Walter in the past where he might fret over acting or overanalyze stuff, or he might say to Peter, like, the only way for us to do this is to kill, and they would talk it out before taking the action. So I love that it's a shocking moment where Walter has the foresight and the clarity and the intelligence to know this is the only way to stop this thing from happening. Let's do it and hope that my theories about how to write it later are right. But he also realizes that if he's wrong, the fate of two universes is bigger than the life of one person. And this is something that old Walter has struggled with because he was worried about the fate of just one person, Peter Bishop, enough to destroy two universes in the process. And now we see this Walter, even though he believes that this is not going to be dead, dead, is willing to make the tough choice in this moment that is actually technically the right choice, not the choice that us as fans want. But when you're balancing the scales two universes, fate is more important than one woman's life. And I thought that was incredible. And bell is like, well, you motherfucker, you, you pesky kids, you, you got me. I almost got away with it too. And I, and then he disappears and it's like, okay. And Peter is, is stunned and shocked. But Walter says, I'm, Walter Bishop. She's not going to be dead. We can take action. All I got to do is take this antenna and chomp on it and push the bullet out. And she's going to Wolverine back to good. Don't worry about it. So I love that for about 30 seconds, we're a little bit distraught and shocked. And then it's like, okay, 
yeah, we're going to set everything right. They're going to fix this. What are you thinking as Walter goes full John Wick, shoot first, ask questions later to Olivia on the boat? I absolutely love that scene. And like you said, Walter from seasons past would have been hesitant about shooting Olivia. He would he would have run through a million part a million situations in his head before shooting Olivia, and he probably wouldn't have done it. And you know, and you know, and and the universe would have probably collapsed uh, in on itself, and you know, vis a vis creating a new universe. But I love that uh, that Walter, as he is now, just 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 does what he has to do. And he doesn't really think about it. I mean, he thinks about it, but he just does it. And I also really love how when he does it, I also love Joshua Jackson's reaction. His performance in that moment and those really tense moments before Walter sort of says, sort of grabs him from the collar and says, just shut up. He sort of, he sort of, you know, he, he sort of, because, because Peter is inconsolable at this point. He's, he's, he's not thinking clearly. And Walter physically grabs him and he smacks the shit out of him. And he goes, listen, I need these things all here and I need this, I need that. So I really love that in a moment of crisis, Walter is the one that keeps it together. I really enjoy that. Also, I thought it was kind of anticlimactic how Bell just goes, like you said, you know, you dirty kids almost got away with it. I, w- I was really hoping that they could have like, like held, um, I was really hoping that they would have held William Bell to some sort of charges, like, like put him, aw- put him away in a prison. Like, like, you don't, you don't necessarily have to see him ever again. And you can't see him ever again, because like you mentioned a couple years later, unfortunately, uh, Leonard Nimoy passed away, but I would have loved if they would have captured William Bell and if he wouldn't, and if he wouldn't have just, you know, escaped into nowhere, uh, vis-a-vis. Also, I love the moment when Walter takes the antenna and he sticks the antenna into, uh, Olivia's forehead and he goes with the, with the goddamn stapler and he goes, Boom. I was like, this is awesome. First, first, first he had to create an exit wound, but that whole sequence was just so great. Yeah, I like that a lot because it's it's gross and we are emotional. And like you said, him slapping the shit out of Peter to to get him to focus is the perfect thing for that moment. And even that's where a time I love when he's like, we have to move quick to save her. And Peter's like, save her. She's dead. And he's like, you know, that has never stopped me. And it's like, yeah, guy, this is Walter Bishop. This isn't some fuckface off the street who did this. Get going. So I, I like that moment. And having, you know, that stop Olivia from creating this new apocalypse is really good. And we go from that emotional moment where they are reunited and Walter has saved the day with his quick action and mad science skills at the hospital. Olivia's Cortexifan powers are reduced. Her and Peter are, for all intents and purposes, our Olivia and our Peter. They get to share one kiss together before Olivia drops the bombshell that she is pregnant, which, again, we know (laughs) because we had that future episode with Henrietta and Astrid and Walter over here, and everyone gets to be happy. And if this was the last scene of Fringe, perfect ending, no, no notes, all good. Everybody's happy. Everything's restored. They're going to start a family. Great. But we do get one more scene where Walter is in his lab and September shows up and says, we must warn the others. They are coming. And this is, of course, if they want to do the flash forward season five. What are you thinking, Marcelo, as we get this final 10 seconds that 
we had the book mostly closed, and then we reopen it and realize there's another chapter in there. When Broyles comes out of the, the, the meeting on the hill. I really like that scene because we've been in the world of Fringe for a while now, and the only sort of figurehead of the government that we've seen that, that, that Broyles reports to turns out to be an evil son of a bitch who goes, head, who, who goes headhunting for Olivia, right? So I was really happy that this member of the government saw how important the Fringe Division was, and I was really happy that he thanked Broyles for all his service and that he promoted him to, that he promoted him to colonel. Also, that scene outside when Broyles offered Nina a job, I was like, hmm, this, this smells like a trap door to me. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what this is. Um, also, I, look, as much as I love Etta, and, and, and you know how much I love Henrietta, as much as I love Henrietta, I would have loved if they would have taken the trap door that they set up and sort of forgot all the future crap that they, that they floated in that one little weird episode that we talked about quite recently. And if they sort of just started season five as normal, and then through a scientific, this is me postulating now, but through a scientific experiment, they were able to age up uh, Henrietta to the age that she was in the future. But have her be in the present instead of doing this whole future crap. The final section of this episode, I really thought was really, really great. The one thing that I was really upset by, when Astrid uh, met up with Walter in the hospital and, he, and she sits next to him and she offers him the, the, the candy. I was really upset that they didn't have a nice moment. I mean, sure, they had a moment when they were eating the candy there, but I was like, dude, this is the first time you've seen this guy since since you lost him on the docks. You should be more emotional right now. Like, I, 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 thought, I thought that there was another level of emotion that they could have reached there, but for some reason they didn't go that way. And, um, you know, you know, with the final scene of Peter walking into the hospital bed and saying, hey, I finally found an apartment. And Olivia telling him that, oh, guess what? You know, I'm pregnant. And the, and, and, and the final kiss I thought was all great. And if the episode would have ended there, perfect, serious finale, stories wrapped up all nice and neat, great, awesome show. If you didn't, if you didn't get another season, these last seconds with an observer coming to Walter in the lab while he was making uh, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich would have been really annoying for, for fans, you know, in, in, in rewatches. It would have been, and it would have just been like, hey, just when you're watching the streaming or the Blu-ray, exit out when there's 10 seconds left and you're all good. But to your point, you actually did make a, a nice thing. I think that realizing now that that Broyles scene where he gets his flowers is in case this is a series finale. They wanted to give Broyles one final moment where he gets the promotion and we give Lance Reddick his due. And then he goes and he offers Nina a job, which is him giving her due. And if this is the last scene that either of them get on the show, they get a nice moment of acknowledgement for their contribution. And that is also what that Astrid and Walter scene is, where it isn't super emotional. And they, if they had more time, they probably could have made it hit better. But she offers him the licorice, which is showing she knows red licorice is Walter Bishop's favorite thing in the world. He takes it, he takes a bite, and he says, thank you, Astrid. And she goes, huh, called me Astrid. And he just smiles and eats the licorice. You mean a lot to me, and thanks for this licorice. We get to share this nice moment in case this is the series finale of Fringe. So all those moments work really well and do provide the closure that if we never get any more, it's fine. They added that last scene 
because they really hoped they would get renewed, and they were. So we will talk next week about the, the fifth season premiere, Transilience Thought Unifier Model 11. Say that 10 times fast. As we begin the final season of Fringe, taking a look at the 13-episode fifth season that are going to have some lively conversations, I think, because I haven't seen it since it aired. I'm just going to give this up front. We'll talk more about it next week. My initial reflecting thoughts is I really think Brave New World Part 2 should have been the last episode of Fringe, but we will see. If you guys have any questions, comments, we appreciate them. Please send them our way on Twitter at JJUniverse815 or tweet using the hashtag Radio815. If you like the show, please like, follow, subscribe, rate, comment. All of it helps. Tell a friend. Tell them to start a rewatch of Fringe and listen along. Or Lost, or Alias, or Felicity. We got lots of back episodes. Those episodes are on any place you can find podcasts or on YouTube, youtube.com, Radio815. If you want to reach out to me, I am still on Twitter for the time being, at Matt Crandall. Marcelo, how can the people get in touch with you? If you want to talk to me about anything, I'm also on Twitter. I'm at CreekFanatic88. That'll do it. Until next week, thanks so much for listening. Radio 815, over and out. Radio 815 is a Balloonhead Productions presentation in association with Killer Newt Productions.